You're listening to the Great to Greater podcast with Tiffany Rufino, where we talk about all things business and life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Great to Greater with me, Tiffany Rufino, and also with Mr. Jeff Rufino. Say hi, Jeff. Hi. How are we doing today? Um, Good. We're doing good? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. Good Great. weekend. Nice and restful. Relaxing. Mm-hmm. I love our conversation. Great communication. Good job. Um, have you ever spoken in public? A few times. I mean, not that you're outside in public with a friend and you're just talking to them. I mean, like, public speaking, uh, your voice speaking, your, I guess, thoughts, things like that. Not snap poetry, not rapping, not theater, not musicals. Does business count? Business does count. Then yes. I did not know you've done that. Yeah, a couple times. I feel like I don't know you. Hi. <laughs> We've just met. Hi. Tell me about that. <laughs> well, no. Uh, for my job, I've had to um, do speaking both virtually and publicly for mm. groups. Okay. And um, whether it's about introducing a new uh, business initiative or uh, proposing um an idea for something mm. is proposing an idea for something when you've done that is it an idea that you came up with or doing it on behalf of a group or entity both when you produce there, there's a reason i'm asking these questions and it's a journey that i'm taking our audience on so thank you because i know that i'm doing this blindly for you um, I, I trust you <laughs> wholeheartedly oh, well you don't you don't even know me apparently and i don't know you so that's a lot of trust right there <laughs> i tend to trust people i just met and if you know me you know i'm lying through my teeth yeah because he doesn't go out so <laughs> okay so back to my question when you've had to present and the idea was yours or the proposal was yours that you solely came up with um does that feel different than when you present on behalf of somebody's idea or project that's already prepared it does okay so tell me what the difference is for you it's um i think that the word i would use is responsibility Hmm. okay because if it's my idea um i can go in about 80 percent sure and come up with the other 20 percent on the fly Mm -hmm. if it's a group's idea i have to go in at 100 percent because me vamping could misrepresent some somebody's stuff, so I have to be a lot more prepared. Or you could end up adding on information that your team wasn't prepared for and go on, not you specifically, but you can go on a tangent and then the team has asked questions and they're like, that wasn't in the script. <laughs> like, we didn't plan for this. Yeah. Um, we're not with him. <laughs> I mean, also, you know, I have to be able to take notes or remember what happens in the meeting in a more in a way that's more universally communicable so while you're presenting you're taking notes about or do you mean being prepared and have notes in front of you the way that i recall the events of the of the presentation whether it's the q a whether it's the body language, when it's just me mm-hmm. and it's my idea and my whatever, I have my own internal monologue that I understand. 
but when I'm going back to a collective and like relaying what happened, I need to be able to say say it in a way that they'll understand it. Uh, That's so not you just appeal my... to your audience, correct? And understanding how to read the room. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and you know because a lot of my public speaking has been in a business setting. It is, like you said, appeal to your audience. It's important to know your audience. So, like, when you're speaking to a group of people that are, say, um, going to be implementing the idea, whether it's people who work in the field or people who work in an office. And in other words, like, you're training those people. and they're Whether it's that. training them or, or on, onboarding, I guess, is more apt. You can speak very detail-oriented. The higher up you go, and I don't even like using higher up, but the, the the higher of a viewpoint, the wider of a viewpoint your audience has, the more bullet point your presentation should get. Yeah. Like, if you're talking to a C-level executive, they don't really care if you have to hit file open to open up a file. You would hope that they understand the basics so that you can go to a different level. Or that, I mean, it's it's not in their scope. Like, they just want to know the big picture. What is this going to do and why is it going to do it? They might not even know how to, you know, uh, if you're in a restaurant, they, the, the, the CEO may not even know specifically how to run the register. But they do know that if you put in an idea and it's going to increase sales by 12%, they understand that. Yeah. For sure. I think uh, the majority of people understand that piece of it. It's just who can implement it, right? And who yeah. can make it happen. Um, and who is it important to? Like, yeah. The, the, it, yeah. the, uh, the waiter doesn't care that the sales are going to go up 12% outside of how does this affect me coming right. in? Do my tips go up and, you know, are we going to stop sharing tips and you yeah. know, th that sort of thing? And if you're like a developer in a game company or something... Like the sales going up and down, that's just a pat on the back. Mm -hmm. But what does my day to day look like? Right. That's that's the important thing. Now, in you mentioned that a lot of these presentations were more virtual, right? I think it's yeah. I think now most of them are virtual. When was the last time you'd say you did like a public? Well, I guess not public, but a meeting in front of you know people right in front of you. Where you could feel the room. Hmm. Good question. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. It has been a while. Have you done public speaking without the business aspect? Not a lot. Okay. Not often. Did you ever have um, any feelings about it prior to doing it? No, because I like to talk. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I like to hear myself speak. And um, I just like... Is that why you have talking. two podcasts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really enjoy the idea of being in front of people. I mean, and the back and forth is important too. But um, I just enjoy the idea of putting my thoughts to to some sort of medium. Yeah, I think that's important too, and I think that's part of why I wanted to start out the podcast this way because in working with clients and also thinking about my um, history of speaking in front of a group of people, I find that initially there's a fear of um, of a couple of things. I think for me, a lot of times I'd prefer to be behind the scenes, you know, and, and you know my journey with things like that. 
And, you know, being on the radio, I think, was the second time that I really put my voice out there. I think the first time was I was asked by um, Dr. Joel Ratner. You remember? I remember Dr. Ratner. Um, Rest in peace. Really great guy. And I remember he asked me to help announce, um, do announcements for a football game. It was really random because I'd, football me, what? (laughs) Which is probably why when we watched the Super Bowl, I was able to pick up on some things. And I was like, it's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. And then I remembered, oh, wow, yeah, I used to do that. And it became more frequent. And so I became friends with um, the person that... um, ran our radio station in New York and he suggested that I get the FCC license and um, he would train me to be on the radio and I had to think about it for for a while because when it's you putting your voice out there without anybody validating it first I think there's a fear behind that so here's what I mean I can go up and have the telephone book and feel really... Co- they still make those, right? We haven't had one delivered in a long time. I yeah, I don't that. know. I mean, I think it might be like pay phones where they are in two different, two or three different places and that's it. Yeah, because come to think of it, I think if I Google people's information or like I look up a name or whatever, you have to pay to get the information. So it's not even free to have like... Yeah. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> so let's pick a different book. <laughs> if I brought up the dictionary mm-hmm. and everybody came with the intention of hearing... You know, all the definitions that start with the letter R, then I know the audience is there for that topic. And I have Webster's Dictionary in front of me and I am confident that I could read everything that is listed under R for that day, that performance. So there is a high percentage of confidence. Will I be able to make it interesting or add some jazz to it or pizzazz or whatever probably not it's going to be closer to a spelling bee if i'm doing that it's a little hard to make that go unless i'm you know wrapping it like you know they do on tiktok Mm -hmm. (laughs) where they pick something and just go but when it's something that i create uh going back to the radio example where I'm the personality. I have to get people excited about the show and I can't see their faces. I don't know who my audience is. I don't know how many people are listening at that moment. There's two sides of it, right? There's, whew, no one can see me, so they they don't know that I'm shaking, that my palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and they don't know the the franticness that can go on behind the scenes when you're trying to pick the next song make sure it's queued up in time you got all the commercials that you're doing everything that the government wants you to do as far as like what to play next and what not to play in like emergency services blah 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 blah. and then on top of that you got to add in filler to who you are and uh entertain your audience so that they keep coming back for more which is kind of what we do now just minus the music yeah um, and minus uh, a lot of the requirements that you need to do a show like that. At that time, at least. I don't know if they've changed that since. But I don't even know if you still need an FCC license to be on the radio. I don't think you do. I think that was, like, gone several years. So my a few license years is obsolete? No, because you get a... I think it, you get when you get it, I think it's lifetime. I have to look it up. But, yeah, I think it's lifetime, too. That sounds <clears> great. But when... Um, when 
we left when we graduated high school, you know, a few years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, it was a few years after that that the FCC. I, th- I think I looked it up at some point, and they they had like gotten rid of that requirement for mm. like a specific license. Got it. Okay, so again, reminiscing because I think pieces of this add up to how I, well they do add up to how I am where I am as far as with public speaking. Mm-hmm. Clearly not right this second, but excuse me. <laughs> so with that, I learned that not having an audience in front of you can give you a way to be creative in order to engage your audience in a different way. So here's what I mean. I created personal commercials for my show and I think a couple of other people did, but I took what was popular at the time. And because I was really involved in drama and musical theater, I had a couple of friends come in on my off days and we would record a promo for the show. For example, a friend and I did um, a Titanic commercial. And so I was Rose and he was Jack. And... um, You know, it was, we played the Titanic theme song behind the commercial. Mm -hmm. And it was, I said something like, Jack, Jack, we gotta go, we gotta go, the boat's sinking. And he's like, I can't, Rose, because, you know, DJ Tiffany's on the air right now. That wasn't my name, but I'm not gonna share my name, my radio (laughs) name right now. And so it was funny, and people caught on to it. So I would have to get more and more creative with it because, you know, people started latching on to that being not a gimmick but like a fun thing because it was what was the hot trend right now and how are we going to play into this um and so i think part of that was letting it be okay to try new things in a safe environment where no one or not where everybody knows it's you mm-hmm. right until you get into like even when i was doing the announcements for the games you're high up in a booth and the crowd is in front of you facing the football field. So they don't even see your face. They don't see you. And in a lot of cases, like they're not even like listening. Yeah, they're just watching their kids, their friends, you know, yeah. uh, win, right? And so there's a perk to that. And then what happened also in that that I learned is how to keep a straight face and how to keep on task with what the conversation was. So when, as you know, because you were part of the radio station, but for our audience, when you go in to record, there were um, there was another room on the opposite side of you and it had a glass window. So of course, as you get a little more comfortable and you're, you're okay with like your friends visiting you or, I mean, it was open to um, anybody really to kind of come in and if yeah. they knew you, then it, you were allowed to have people there. And they would go in the other office and once you were on the air, they would try to make you laugh. <laughs> they would do a lot of crazy mm-hmm. things to see if they could goof you up. And sometimes it was, you know, the ones that ran the radio station that were in there and they were just trying to like screw you up, which is, um, which was interesting. And I, I don't think I ever got tripped up and not because I wasn't looking at them, but I, I forced myself to stare at them and not break so that I could, um, that I could get through it. And part of it was kind of like, ha, ah, you tried, but let's see you try and do it, you know? So yeah. it's the little things like that. And I think it's okay to break and have like those real moments when you speak. And so moving forward, I didn't do, um, I think the next time I had to do public speaking was for college, for a public speaking class. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
life kept me behind the scenes in what I was doing. Granted, we did performances before we left New York, right? So we yeah. did shows or, and whatnot. But I, I feel that's different than speaking. Um, Here's a question. Because yeah. you did public speaking back then. Yeah. I just did a public speaking class recently. Oh, yeah. That's right. You did. But I'm all online. Yeah. And so my public speaking is a little different and I remember when I first started this class, I was thinking, well, how am I going to get an audience, right? Mm. But then they said, oh, you don't need an audience. You just need to record your speeches and upload them. And I really felt like a little disappointed because now I'm public speaking to a, to a camera and like camera on my phone, a camera that we have here, whatever. And it's not the same. So like... Um, I get. I mean, I guess the question's to a little bit to me, but really to you. Do you think it would have been different for you if it would have been like back then at like an online? You're just speaking to a camera kind of thing. Sure. So I started college in the 1900s, um, but <laughs> you know, wasn't sure what my direction was going to be, and uh, I just had a different priority at that time. So my um, my public speaking class was obviously in a classroom that was full and it was terrifying a because i still wasn't confident out of high school so that just obviously makes it impact that's just an age thing and experience thing mm-hmm. um and then when i re-entered college uh within this era um <laughs> i i don't think at first they had transferred over my speaking Um, my public speaking class. So I was looking at the ones that I would have to take. And what's interesting is, is that at that time, which was pre-COVID, I would have to find an audience because I was taking online classes and I would have to film. If I took this class, I would have to film the audience and it would have to be at least five people that are wherever I'm hosting my public speaking. And it would have to show me talking to them. So I would still be recording but I would have an audience in front of me, which is, I think, what I told you that it was going to be like. Yeah. So when you got to that point and, I, and it wasn't, <clears throat> I think it was after COVID. So the uh, everything had changed a little bit as far as, you know, excuse me, what if people don't want, you know, people in their house or they can't find five people that are comfortable being in their home and mm-hmm. that's, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think it totally wouldn't have been a different experience, I think, um being in front of a college group of people who are entering straight from high school was terrifying. And at the time, um, my uh, one of my best friends, Missy, was at the same college with me. And I had written a story about her and I and our adventures. And so I asked her, can you come with me? Can you come to my class? And be in the class. It'll be like show and tell, but just like having you there with no other familiar faces. Because none of my uh, other classmates from other classes would be in this class. Like this would be my familiar face, like that that go-to person. Said it would just like really help my heart palpitations at this point. So yeah, my voice shook the whole time. My lip quivered. My hands were sweaty. You know, I, I didn't have a podium. So I'm sure the paper was shaking like a leaf or whatever, but... You know, I would look up and she was smiling at me and like getting me amped and, you know, feeling like I'm doing a good job. And um, 
which was funny because at the radio station, you wouldn't have that. It's it's just you after you're trained to do what you need to do. And now I was looking for that. And so I think moving forward, um, the next time I was asked to do public speaking or invited to do public speaking was, I think, at the uh, college graduation here in Florida. And that was... 2016 aside from work stuff like aside from like um you know my teams and being in like a a little meeting room and having my teams in there it's different in that sense as a leader um this is in a venue you know where it's theater seating and everybody's there to see a loved one graduate just like the football game they're all there to see somebody win Mm -hmm. and i was Terrified, And I think I've spoken on this before. And my mentor, uh, you know, she's the one that called and invited me. And she was like, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's so terrifying, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget that she said this to me. She was like, think about it. Don't think about it too long. And I want you to know when you do this, it's going to change your life. She was like, let me know tomorrow. And she said that. And all of a sudden I said, I'll do it. I, I, I'm not going to wait till tomorrow. I'll do it. And um, she was like, great. I'll let them know. And she was like on it. <laughs> like there was no turning back from this. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote the speech out, which I was surprised on because I don't normally like to read from um, papers when I'm speaking. I like to engage with the audience, eye contact and, and things like that. But I felt like for this scene, this atmosphere, it warranted having something written and I remember bringing it to my leader at the time, um, who was on a, she was on a trip. I forgot where she was. It was a, a company trip, and um, she was rooming with another coworker, and she had me on speaker so I could practice reading it out loud. And they were like almost in tears, which was really sweet, and gave me great feedback. I know that I read it to you like a thousand times and that sort of thing. And so when I went to go speak again, terrified um shaking i felt like i looked good i felt like you know the presentation was on point because i think that's important too you like you have to look the part yeah you have to dress for the job that you want you know that sort of thing if you go up in front of a group of people and you know you got food stains on your shirt and you know your pants are wrinkly or you got lint all over you or your makeup's a hot mess if you're rocking makeup or whatever that takes away part of your confidence right there because now you know, hey, it's a distraction for your audience because they're looking at you like, uh, are you okay? Like what just happened before you got up here? Um, and B, it's a distraction for you because you might be fidgety the whole time covering up what you noticed under the bright lights, right? So I didn't have to worry about that part. I was prepared in that sense. And, you know, as a business leader, I've, I learned how to be prepared in those cases and um, went up there still shaky. But the benefit I had is that the person that spoke before me sucked. And everybody was waiting for them to stop talking. Like they were just done. The person before me uh, was trying. I don't want to. Um, I don't even know what the intention was. I think they were trying to get engagement from the crowd. They went off stage. I'm not going to say who the person was. They went off stage, they went into the audience, and they were talking. You you were there. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't remember the talk being positive, and I don't remember it being graduation-related. And it was almost um, 
preparing them in a f- for the future, but not in a positive way. I, yeah. I, that's the best way that I could describe it. It was just really awkward and weird. So as I'm sitting up on stage, because you have to stay up on stage the whole time, uh, I'm just thinking, okay, there's no way like I can <laughs> flunk this. <laughs> and so I went up there and I paced myself and... You know, hearing it back, I hate hearing it back because I know what I'm looking for in all the things that I feel are wrong. Um, But when everything was said and done and I was looking for you and I was looking for my family, um, not that you're not my family, but, you know, like everybody else Mm -hmm. that was there, I kept getting stopped. Do you remember this? And people were saying, thank you so much for being positive, especially after that. Like, you did a great job. Thank you for being so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Which was like, okay. Like my my words, my experiences that I wrote down made an impact on somebody. I think that goes back to knowing your audience, and but that's the we, thing. But we, don't... we but we tend to be very critical of ourselves. But like when I look at it, something that I'm I've done or I've said, I have to remember that I'm not the audience. Yes, your goal at that point, as I um heard someone say one time, is to get. To help yourself get out of your head, you have to get what's in your head into the audience's head. Yeah. That's your goal when you do public speaking is to share your thoughts with someone out there. And the goal is always to make an impact on at least one person's life that's in the audience. And that was my goal that day is to just really inspire a group of college graduates the way that I would want to be inspired. But I didn't know the audience because it was graduates of all different categories, right? And... You know, the ceremony is supposed to be a a period of time and everybody's sitting there and they want to get out of there. They want to go celebrate. They want to go home. They want to like start, you know, continuing on with their lives. And here they have to hear someone else that they don't know speak and hope that it's not like the person that was before them. And so when we got to, I'm going to fast forward all the way to our event in January, uh, you know, and I had some conversations with my, one of my closest friends, Henry. Uh, and we were talking about what he, he was asking me, what's the topic of your event? Like, what is the main purpose of the event? What, what's the commonality of the people that are going? What are they going to receive from everybody that's there that's speaking? And I said, well, it's the great to greater event. So it's talking about how you are already great, but if you're unhappy doing what you're doing, how do you take your greatness to the next level? That was really the intention of it. And I said, I just want to communicate that in a way to the audience and to the vendors and to the speakers that that's the intention of this whole event. It's not a timeshare, you know, uh, conversation. It's not uh, MLM where you're buying into this and pay $1,000 and you'll get this workbook or anything like that. It's no here where we're, the, the economy is going through stuff. Before it goes through stuff, let's get you in the right mindset because, unfortunately, um, it, it does look like the economy could go in a negative way, but that's the best time to start a business. So let's plant the seed now, and what are you going to do to start building your business? And when I was speaking with Henry, one of the things that he shared with me that was a really uh, great advice piece is you have to tell them why they're there. They shouldn't dictate to you why they're there which is what made me spin my mind around, okay, so when I talk to um, people who are interested in being keynote speakers, 
let me hear their story of great to greater. And let me bring it back to an emotional level versus a business level um, so that they could, the audience can relate immediately and catch on. And people were purposely put in time slots to engage the audience, which definitely worked, I think. You yeah. know, Faith came in with a really strong personal story, which was beautiful. And I knew it when I first spoke to her and first met her that she was going to knock it out of the park and people needed to hear what she had to say. And then um, having Lenise go and bring it back to um, her personal life and, uh, you know, tragedies that she's gone through and how she overcame them from working on herself internally and persevering because she has kids and a family that like she didn't have a choice not to and then so kind of providing those skills to the audience from there and having Ashley come in and then starting to initiate some business skills uh to the audience with networking and recruiting or being an employee and being recruited and interviewing and different tips there to give them the skill set and then me going in and solidifying everything that was said, but then drilling home the mindset that you need to have and the confidence that you need to have in yourself. And what a difference in speaking in January from the past events in my evolution of speaking. Now, um, granted, my speaking engagements grew within the past, what, decade probably with speaking at conferences and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, after the college graduation, doing trainings, you know, from anywhere 50 people to 300 people and jumping in and talking and, uh, you know, got really comfortable with that. But these were my words this time, not words that were put together that I was intended to train an audience to, right? Yeah. So, and Where these... you have to, I mean, to be honest, it's easier to go on the fly when it's your words versus when you, I mean, if it's, if it's something that's prepared for you, you can kind of vamp it, but you still, I mean, you have to rehearse. And you, you just yeah. mentioned it. Like you you had the calls and you had like people where you had to listen back to it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I mean, I was saying it in my sleep and I would wake up. Like it would yeah. wake me up because I was just saying mm-hmm. it. But it, it was to ground the information. But ultimately, when I provided the information, I made it into my words the way that I would say it. Um, with the same intention, but because I knew the majority of the audience I was working with at that time, where I was employed with a different company and they, you know, provided the information and things like that, I put it into the words of the audience I was working with and with different scenarios and things like that. And a lot of the trainers that I was with were able to do that also because we were all the same industry. Now, when being at this event, it was public. These were people that were coming that I did not know. Um, And I think I've shared that already, you know, with the vendors. Um, There was, uh, I think there was one vendor that we had a strong relationship with, but with everybody else, it was kind of just social media networking. That's that's how it worked. And then the attendees, it was just with the exception of maybe like a couple, um, it was just public. So you don't know who your audience is. You don't know where they're coming from. And so how do you get up there and get that power to... Uh, or empowerment to go there and use your words and leave somebody feeling like you either enlightened them, gave them confidence, sparked an idea, made them feel positive. And I, I say this a lot to my clients um, and, and friends too, is that 
I believe that everybody has a gift. They have an idea, they have a thought, they have a message that they were made to share that was put inside them. And if they don't share that gift, whether it's a talent, whether it is a, a creation, whether it's something that they have that is unique compared to everybody else, if they're not sharing it with the world, then that's a horrible mistake. And I don't say mistakes often. I mean, we just talked about that with, you know, our wording and are we too positive or not? But yeah. it's a mistake and it's it can be selfish if you're not sharing it, especially if you have the thought on the fly. And so you never know who you're going to inspire. And that's what I shared with my uh, the ones that came to be keynote speakers at the event, because, you know, you get nervous, not knowing what to expect or anything else. And I shared with them, hey, you know, Faith said it to me, if I can inspire one person, I feel good. And she had a crowd of people going to her, like after the event, wanting to talk to her about her story and wanting to learn about her business, you know, and Lenise also people went up to her. Thank you so much. Like, we love the way that you spoke. People went to Ashley. Ashley was all around the room talking to people. So, you know, they all walked away feeling empowered and feeling like they, A, they thanked me for, you know, putting them in a position to do this. Uh, but I thank them for sharing their story and being willing enough to be vulnerable and brave um, in a room full of strangers, which is really what it is, right? And that's kind of what we do with our podcast. We're speaking to some of them we know, some of them we don't know. And we are vulnerable enough to share our story because somebody out there may not have the full experiences that we both had, but they may be at a point where they're like, you know, I want to do something smart. I want to do something to like change the world. And so the first way you can do that is by being an advocate. I don't know if you've heard of SMART, S-M-A-R-T. It stands for Saving Missing Animals response team. Carolyn Johnson has been a volunteer for about 10 years here in Flagler County until she started SMART. 10 years dedicated to helping abandoned and abused pets. SMART of Flagler County assists dogs, cats, and wildlife by providing services such as medical care, rehabilitation, training, fostering, and adoption. You can visit their website at smartflagler.com. That's S-M-A-R-T-F-L-A-G-E-R.com to meet their fur friends and learn about their success stories. But they also need your help. So this March, March 11th, they're going to have an event. It's called Jeepin' for the Dogs. It's from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Good Times Dog Bar. Go ahead and register on their website and make sure to follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You could donate at their website or contact them if you're interested in sponsoring their efforts to help animals countywide. Smartflagler.com. Okay, so we talked about your radio um, background. We talked a little bit about your background with the event and with, like, general public speaking. Gosh, you make it feel like it was all about me. (laughs) No, but, like... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I want to pivot a little bit because you also have a background in speaking in a a business environment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like... I feel I almost feel like your public speaking um our experiences are different but your public speaking to an audience even though for the most part you do it for the business it's what I would call like something that rounds out your experience but the real meat and potatoes are when you speak 
to a to a business group. So mm-hmm. whether it's a seminar or you're doing a keynote speech for so um talk to me a little bit about the first time you did one of those. The first time I did one of a training Something, seminar or Well, just just a, a speaking engagement where you were speaking to a very targeted group of people in a specific business and you were whether it was training, whether it was um you know, keynote speaking, whether it was inspirational, whatever it was, and how it differs from something like the the Great to Greater event? Well, I think there's a couple of things. So usually when working with a business, they have a concept of what they need to convey to their teams. And either they're looking looking for the resource to do that, which would be me, you know, if mm-hmm. it's a, a training, they're looking for somebody to create the training itself, to create the materials that go with it, and then to implement the material and train it back to the team that they have. Um, really, that's more of like outsourcing a role because they may not need a trainer full time or they are doing organizational change and they need somebody to communicate it. Sometimes, honestly, it's like a third party thing of we're going to have this person deliver the news that we don't want to deliver because it's just easier that way. And that's really just the reality of it. Um, And so it's how how do you put a positive spin on something that may not be exactly positive when you first hear it? Um, And then there. So I've, I've done that. And that was an experience because that was really challenging my creativity in creating the concept that a business had and then kind of digging into the concept asking a lot of questions so that I understood it back and forth because if you don't understand the material then when you get challenged with questions you're gonna look like a fraud and that you don't get the buy-in and you have to understand it yourself it it doesn't make sense for you not to understand what you're talking about Um, but then you also have to create in part the materials that make it engaging because not everybody is a visual learner not everybody is an auditory learner not everybody learns by hands-on training so how do you capture all of that visually and then when you go to give the training how do you also capture that so that they don't just hear your gums flap the whole entire time right like who is this person that you brought in and um with that you have to be creative in adding your flair for lack of a better phrase, with the material that's given to you. So it's like the event that I had in the sense that it's still me and I'm still adding stories and anecdotes to the material to relate back to um, what they're learning because I know that by stories, that's really what helps build the picture and helps people remember the material, right? I have a keynote speech coming up speech or talk uh tomorrow um and so i don't know the people the audience but i do have stories that relate to the content that they are um receiving tomorrow and they're excited for the event because it's a full day event um and it's just going to be really exciting to share stories of my life to help them understand how it can pertain to their professional life And that's where I think meshing the two can be really impactful and memorable. Um, And then I'm doing another one next month to re-inspire a group and 
you know, again, I think with that one of the, how do you add your personal stories to it so that you're invested in their success, but also make sure that they're walking away with the tools that they need to go from grade to grade or which was the intention of the employer to do. And going back to the first one, the, the where I was really stretching myself was the content production. Um, because I didn't feel it was my strength, but I didn't have experiences to prove myself wrong in that. And so I think a lot of times when we jump into something or we hesitate to say yes to something, it's because we haven't done it, so we don't feel we're strong enough in it. Or the person that's asking us is like a master in it, so you don't wanna come up to the master when you're just a rookie and be like, I'm not following you after you know I've seen you talk or I've seen you do this, and we start comparing mm-hmm. our highlight reels, and that's not fair because the master gets to that point and I'm not by any means saying that I'm a master at what I, you know, what I do. I do things really well. Yes, I will say that, but I always strive to learn. However, the master has to go through what the rookie went through too. And so you're always going to be a rookie at some point and there's just got to be a point where you say, okay, am I still happy being a rookie or where am I going to take that jump? And what's stopping me from taking that jump to get to another level? And go from great to greater because, again, you have a gift that needs to be shared. And I was listening to a TikTok on Pink, and she was sharing about somebody had asked her a question about how um, how she feels about talking and advocating for things that uh, you know she believes in, like what got her started in that. And I know that her dad was, and he had passed away recently, but her dad was a vet. And so she was involved in a lot of marches and um, advocating for things that she believed in with her family because of that. And then later on, just being an advocate for things that she felt was wrong, you know, and um, she said, I have a platform and I have a voice. And she said, and I have to use it, but she's also modeling it for her children, too. And I think those that are parents probably feel that a lot stronger maybe than other people because of the generation that they're raising and wanting to make a better world for the children, right? And then other people have a voice that they want to use and use to advocate because they have a personal tie to it. You know, there's Carolyn Johnson, Laura Kruger, and the rest of the team at the SMART group that are looking to save animals. They're looking for this poor little dog right now and following the story and just praying that this dog gets found um, and got let out by a sitter while the parents were away and I was just like oh, it's, That's ah, sad. my heart breaks um, but then there's you know like other things things that I'm also passionate about too I mean I love animals we both do um, but I'm passionate about the National Domestic Violence Hotline I'm passionate about St. Jude's because I believe in the cause and what they do for families and children I'm passionate about the American Cancer Society and uh, you know what they do to try to find ways to cure cancer. I mean, I could go on and on. Those are my main ones that come to mind, but we need more voices out there. Um, And I think the challenge is communication. There's not a lot of communication classes left that are in schools right now, like high schools and, you know, with colleges, it's turned into more of an elective than really, like there's more of a focus on tech, I think, than there is on like how to speak to someone. (laughs) And to that point, when you do take a communication class, like look what happened. Yeah, you, you're speaking. You're recording to, a to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Uh, I think conflict resolution classes would be fantastic to have in high school. I think going back to teaching penmanship is huge because that's also communication, but just learning how to write your thoughts out instead of typing them out, and there's a personal feel to that, and there's an emotional tie to using your body and connecting it to your thoughts and putting it to paper. There's also a different standard when you're writing with a pen and you know that red squiggly line is never going to come. So you're, you might as well learn to spell and learn grammar and all that other stuff. Yeah. And along with the computer, because <clears throat> the computer's not going away, like I get that. But yeah. I also think like the basics uh, still need to stay. I think it's a lost art. But the huge part is communication. And if people are fearful because they're so worried about cancel culture or they're worried about opinions of others or they're worried about what might be said later on social media about them, then I think uh, we're going to be a culture that just doesn't talk anymore and speak out for things and we're just going to blindly walk through life without telling people how we feel before we're no longer here and we're not going to be able to make a change because we're scared to talk or scared of retaliation or we're just going to be a culture that goes through the day-to-day on our own and not as a society and one of the primal needs of human beings is to have a group or a society that you belong to like a, a purpose and a meaning And with mental health being the way that it is, if we are starting to lose communication and the opportunity to have a conversation where we can hear both sides and understand it's not the person across from you, it's the topic that we're looking to work on. Um, If we can't get all that stuff together, then when will we? So public speaking is our thing. But it's not the only way to communicate. So we want to know your thing. Um, Let us know in uh, comments on social media. So if you go to TikTok and you find the underscore IO underscore shrink on Tiffany's Facebook page or TiffanyRuffino.com, give us your feedback. Let us know. We want to know... um, First off, what is your best way to communicate? If it's public speaking, how did you get started? Where are you in your journey? And if it's not, what is it? What is your uh, your way to communicate your ideas to people? And if you do go to TiffanyRuffino.com, don't forget to visit the booking area where you can actually experience some of this wonderful public speaking for yourself. Just go to TiffanyRuffino.com forward slash booking and you can book an appointment to talk with me and see what we can do to inspire and grow your team from grade to greater. Also, be sure to tune in next week, next Tuesday, as I share with you whose podcast I'm going to be on as I have a great conversation with someone very special shortly on their podcast. And that information will be revealed next Tuesday. So don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast. 